Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church Podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father, and if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. Uh, Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. That's where we're going to be uh, this morning. Luke 6. We are looking at the next story in our Luke series, and uh, this is sort of a part two to last week. If you were here last week, we talked a little bit about um, having a sacramental worldview. If you're like, say what? Go listen to the podcast. Um, it, was, it was a kind of a shift for our church away from this paradigm of the supernatural and natural, this kind of inherent dualism in the way that we view the world, um, and into a more integrated idea of what is, our, what is our world filled with? It's filled with the potential for encountering God. It says in Colossians, all things are held together by Christ. What does that mean? That means that at any point, a piece of nature, a piece of this physical world could be a doorway to connecting with God. And uh, so that was last week. This is almost like part two to that a little bit. Um, So look down your Bibles, uh, Luke 6, verse 1. Luke 6, verse 1. That's where we're going to be. One Sabbath... Jesus was going through the cornfields and his disciples began to pick some ears of corn, rub them in their hands, and eat the grain. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. Lord of the Sabbath. Verse six, on another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching And a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking, that's awesome, and said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Verse nine, then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful to do on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil? to save life or destroy it. He looked around at all of them and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Uh, We're gonna look at the Sabbath this morning. This is the first time that we've ever, um, as a church, even talked about the Sabbath from the stage. I know there's been a little bit of like a resurgence towards the Sabbath in pop Christianity in the past few years. Uh, But within this passage, we have before us why the Sabbath, how we can miss the Sabbath, and how you get true Sabbath. Why the Sabbath, how we can miss the Sabbath, and how you get true Sabbath. So first, if you're taking notes, write this down. Why the Sabbath? 
Why? Why even have the Sabbath? A couple years ago, I read this BuzzFeed article on millennial burnout. You heard me right. And uh, it was a very popular article. It went completely viral. Uh, many different pastors were sharing with each other. You know, there's many, um, so there's much ministry done in the West that basically looks at whatever uh, is happening in the op-ed pages of different newspapers and, and, and uh, magazines and basically says, okay, we need to react to that. Um, and so there was, this, uh, there was this big freak out. Millennials are burning out. How could they be burning out? And uh, it, it, was, it was a very popular article because this article essentially says this, the millennial generation is the generation of burnout. So not only are the millennials the laziest generation, but they also happen to be burned out. Uh, this was catnip for Gen Xers, boomers, and the self-hating millennials. So this was a very, very popular article. Now, in it, the author describes when she first realized that she was burned out by her to-do list. Here's what she says. None of these tasks in my life were that hard. Getting knives sharpened, sending someone a signed copy of my book, scheduling an appointment with the dermatologist, donating books to the library, vacuuming my car, a handful of emails, one from a dear friend, one from a former student asking how my life was going, festered in my personal inbox, which I use as a sort of alternative to-do list, to the point that I started calling it the inbox of shame. Definitely a three on the Enneagram. I resonate with all of it. Now, she goes on to describe how the drive to do, the drive to produce, became so great that she couldn't handle the weight any longer and she burned out. And I, I was, as I was reading this passage, I remembered this article and I went back and I read through the article again. And as I read through it, I thought, this is why the Sabbath. This is why the Sabbath. To this burned out culture, this culture of what is your personal brand? What is your personal project and how are you building it? The Sabbath has this potential to be like a glass of cold water to the person in a desert. See, the first time that we hear of the Sabbath is when Israel is at the foot of Sinai. They receive the summation of the law, the, the Ten Commandments, and, and here they are. It's important just to go back and read through these again. Uh, the first one is, you have one God, it's Yahweh. Do not make idols of created things, only worship the Creator. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath, there it is, and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not lie about people. And the last one, do not covet what other people have. And we may forget, but these commands represent a radical breakthrough in the ancient mind of how one could connect to God. And there's profound wisdom and truth in them. If we could just leave those up there while, for this next part. Um, here's the profound wisdom behind them. Be satisfied with what God has given you. Learn to confront and honor rather than gossip and dishonor. Respect people's private property. Worship God alone and all of these will be easy if he is your only God. Now, these commands existed for a very specific reason. See, what was the context of these commands being given? When did these commands come? Well, uh, in Exodus chapter 20, right before the 10 commandments are given to the people of Israel, here's what God says. Here's how it all begins. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. See, 
why is God giving a law? Have you ever wondered that? You're like, why did they need a law? Well, because an enslaved people needed guidance in walking in freedom. They didn't have freedom before. I'm the Lord your God. I brought you out of Egypt, out of your slavery. You don't know how to be free. And so I'm bringing you out and I need to teach you how to be free. In fact, Paul in the New Testament, he calls the law a nanny. The law is like a nanny. What does the law do? It nannies the people of God who don't know how to be free, how to be free. In that sense, it was mentoring people out of slavery. So here is the command uh, about the Sabbath in full. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And here's what's behind this original intent. Here's the original intent. God was undoing through the law the internal culture that came from generations of enslaved peoples in Egypt. In uh, his book, Sabbath as Resistance, uh, Walter Brueggemann, here's what he says. What they all, Canaanite gods, think Egyptian gods, have in common is that they are confiscatory gods who demand endless produce. Think more bricks, less straw, right? and who authorize endless systems of production that are, in principle, insatiable. Sabbath helps us put down our possessions and craving for possession and rest in the fact that we are his possession. That's profound. See, what empire does, all empire, our empire, what empire does is cause you to always look upon your neighbor as competition, And Sabbath was intended to be a place where competition was killed because, think about this, this is in the same vein as what you guys just did in our offering time. If Yahweh was your God, you needn't worry about whether you'll have enough. As an Israelite coming out of slavery, you would be beginning, by the Sabbath law, by the Ten Commandments, you'd begin to unlearn the culture of Egypt as you depended upon Yahweh as your provider. If God can rest then we can rest. It's beautiful. Do you feel compelled? (laughs) You're like, that's pretty good. And you can see how a culture like ours shaped by the empire like the one that we live in could use Sabbath. We could really use it. All of us, next slide, all of us resonate with the need to do something physical to remind our minds and bodies that our value isn't tied to what we produce, but to whom we belong. That's the Sabbath. That's why you take a day off. It's, this, it's actually sacramental in nature. You do a physical thing that has a spiritual reality behind it. You find that the Sabbath isn't just pointing to God and the rest of God, but in some way, in some sense, it's actually participating in the rest of God. But I want to say this this morning. Lurking right around the corner from, maybe Sabbath is a good idea. I should Sabbath. Honey, we're starting to Sabbath. We're going to be a Sabbath family. Lurking right around that corner is the posture to miss it. See, the Pharisees clearly missed the point of the Sabbath. I just want to read this part again because it's actually mind-boggling when you think about it. So look down your Bibles, verse 6. On another Sabbath, Jesus went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. He's disabled. 
The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they were thinking about how they could pray for him. No. (laughs) The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Think about how messed up your mind has to be to not to see somebody in need, know somebody who could meet that need, and think, I really hope he doesn't meet that need. Okay. (laughs) But Jesus knew what they were thinking. He said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everybody. So he stood there. Then Jesus said to him, I ask, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all and he said, stretch out your hand. He did so and the hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they were furious. What's their problem? Seriously, (laughs) what's your problem? Well, you have to understand that there's a system that they live with. It's inspired by the law, but it misses the purpose or the heart of the law. And Jesus is violating their system. The Sabbath wasn't there for God or for people. It was there for personal righteousness. It was there just like in any community. It was there to show who belonged in the in-group and who did not belong in the in-group. That's why it was there. And so there were these other rules built around the initial rule, honor the Sabbath, you know, take a day off, enjoy your family. There were other rules built around the law to aid in this endeavor. You can't just remember the Sabbath. That's a little bit vague. What do you mean, remember the Sabbath? What what do you mean by that? There needed to be more specificity. And so they built up these other rules around it, like you can only walk so many steps on the Sabbath, no carrying things on the Sabbath. I like this one. No smoothing anything on the Sabbath. Don't even begin to think about smoothing anything on the Sabbath. Uh, No marking things on the Sabbath. You get the idea, right? And Jesus violates, in this moment, the whole system. It's all been violated by his abundant vision of the Sabbath. Pay attention to that word. His abundant vision of the Sabbath. See, what I want you to see is that Jesus was a problem for the Pharisees because of who they thought God was. What sort of mood they thought God was in. I think if we could boil it all down, like what kind of mentality do the Pharisees have? They have a test mentality about God. They have a lack mentality about who their father is. God is testing them with the law. And so they better behave. They better do the law perfectly. Only then will blessing come. God needs them to behave. He's gonna be disappointed if they don't. See, there isn't enough blessing to go around in their minds. And he, God is only going to give the little blessing that he's got to people who are really good. So if you're really good, then maybe, just then, maybe, God would actually bless you. That mixed with a good dash of the fear of what the community would think of them if they didn't Sabbath correctly and you have a group of self-righteous dead people of God. Man made for the Sabbath, not the Sabbath for man. All because why? Why? All because they didn't see God clearly. It's a, here, here's one of the realities of today's message. Your identity is tied to his. Whoever you think God is, that's who you're gonna become. If you think he's uptight, doesn't have enough to go around, you're gonna be stingy. You're gonna be easily offended. If, if you, but if you see him as the great abundance of the universe, 
speak in romantic terms, the great abundance of the universe. If that's what you see, then guess what? Generosity will be easy. It will be easy. So much of, of, of pop Christianity, evangelical Christianity, is trying to solve identity problems with uh, solutions that don't get to your identity, that don't really touch your identity. Why am I not loving? Why am I not giving? I should be loving, I should be giving. I'm gonna try to be loving and try to be giving this week. You have sidestepped the problem altogether. The, problem, the reason why you're not loving or giving is because you don't think God is loving or giving. And if you knew he was loving or giving, it would change who you are. If you do not have a clear view of who God is and what he wants from you, here's the lesson. You will never be able to really rest. Here's what I mean. There's two kinds of rest that we all need. There's two kinds of rest that we need. There's the kind of rest you need because you've, you've had phys- there's been physical exertion or mental exertion or emotional exertion. And so you know what you need after a hard day of work? You know what you need after you know, a, t- a tough conversation or after you know, studying really hard for a test? You, you just need to take a nap. You know, you're like, sometimes we read into it, you're like, I'm emotionally in turmoil. It's like, no, you just need to go to sleep. Like, just take a nap. And you're gonna, you'll probably just think totally different about this, or, or you need to eat something. You need to drink some water, right? But there's another kind of weariness, and it's this. It's, I'm tired from the internal struggle, the inner murmur of self-reproach. That's a different kind of tiredness altogether. And you can hear it in this burned out article. This is what the author says in this article. She, says, she said at one point, why am I burned out? Because I've internalized the idea that I should be working all the time. Why have I internalized that idea? Because everything and everyone in my life has reinforced it since I was young. The internal murmur of self-reproach. I should be doing more. I should have been there for them. I, sh- I could have done more. I could have I helped more. Do you have it too? That sneaking suspicion that what you are is in some way not enough? (laughs) See, you gotta ask yourself this question, why do I work? Why do I work so hard? Why do I study so much? Why, Why do I buy what I buy or do what I do? Really think about it. What is your why? Why do you do what you do? You know, Rocky Balboa, that great sage, was once asked this same question. He was asked, Rocky, why do you train so hard? Why are you working so hard, man? And he says, to prove I'm not a bum. There is a need within all of us to prove that we're not bums, that our lives are actually worth something. And this struggle for identity, this internal murmur of self-reproach, that will really make you tired. That's, that's, that's more than just you, you need a nap. That will really wear you out. And here's the problem for many when it comes to the Sabbath. They think they can solve an identity problem with a better schedule. They just need to optimize. You're not doing the Sabbath? You should just do the Sabbath. But there is no schedule that can outrun a misplaced identity. I shouldn't be surprised if I'm exhausted all the time if my identity is placed in the opinions of others. I shouldn't be surprised if I'm exhausted all the time if my understanding of God is that he needs something from me or that I owe him or that I'm holding him up in some way. 
you've misunderstood who he is and what he thinks about you. And you will become so exhausted that no day off will ever to be of any help at all. You guys know what wellness is, kind of like the wellness trend today, like drink more water, you know, intermittent fasting, moisturize, all that stuff. I love it. I'm there for it. Just ask my wife. I'm not eating breakfast. Are you kidding me? Uh, every night, moisturizing. Uh, look, many approach Sabbath as a sort of Christian wellness practice. Like, they see the stress, they see the burnout, and they think, what if there was a counteract that we could do that would work against this burnout, that would work against all of this toil? Ah, oh, yes, Sabbath, a counteract, a counterpractice. But the bad news is that anyone who doesn't know who God really is and who they are will eventually turn even the gifts of God, like Sabbath, into a righteous signal like the Pharisees. They'll turn it into something that to, try to, to, to try to assuage the inner murmur of self-reproach. Well, no, I am good. At least I do the Sabbath. No, God probably does love me more than them because at least I'm doing the Sabbath. But the good news is that Christianity has something more than a practice of a day of not working. Christianity has a person. Look down at your Bibles, verse five. Then Jesus said to them and to us, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. See, the only way to true rest is by getting the Lord of the Sabbath. Do you see what Jesus is saying when he says this? What he's saying is he's saying Sabbath. Real rest only comes from him. What does it mean that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath? What it means is that if you want real rest, the calming of the internal murmur of self-reproach, the inner man slowing down, you need to have a relationship with a person instead of a discipline. When Jesus says he is the Lord of the Sabbath, he's saying, I am the Sabbath. You want Sabbath? Come to me. (laughs) If you want to rest, you need me. See, this is about surplus, not lack. Look, think about, you know, contrast for a moment. Jesus' view of the Father versus the Pharisees' view of the Father. Sabbath is for man. It's a gift. It's a time to eat, a time to heal and care for creation. Let me ask you this. Is that the sort of mood your God is in? When you think about God, is that the kind of mood he's in? He's like, I want a day to bless you. I want a day to just pour myself out on you. See, if God has lack, then Sabbath is done to fill the void. But if God has abundance and he doesn't need anything from you, then you can really rest. You can be at ease because the great abundance of the universe has decreed he loves you and he's good with you. Do you believe it? And this is where you find out who you really are. You see who God is. Oh, he doesn't, he doesn't need anything from me. He's not demanding anything from me. He simply, he doesn't want to connect with me to scold me. He wants to connect with me to pour out abundance. And you start to realize, oh, I don't exist on earth to make up for a deficit. You know, all of those Canaanite gods They have their own creation myths attached to their worldview and their system. 
And in almost all of them, across the board, the creation myth essentially goes this way. The gods made a mess and humans were designed to clean up their mess. Slaves. But the Christian creation story is that God had abundance, overflow, and it overflowed into the creation of you and me. We didn't exist to clean up the mess for God. We existed to be blessed by God so that we could then go and bless the rest of creation. How wonderful is that view? It's really not just a Sabbath day then. It's a Sabbath life. Do you want it? Jesus teaches us how we get this in Matthew 11. He says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's only one way to real rest, and it's the lifestyle of linking yourself to Jesus, going where he's going, doing what he's doing, saying what he's saying. See, you thought that you need to take a break from ministry. (laughs) Ministry's really worn me out. Hmm. Ministry not done alongside him, that'll wear you out. Ministry done alongside him, that's an easy yoke. See, Jesus is, he gives us the image of rest and it's a yoke. What is a yoke? Here's a picture of a yoke. I had to find one for you. Um, Here's a picture of a yoke. And it's an instrument for two animals. It's not an instrument for one. It's an instrument for two animals to plow, to to dig, to, uh, to produce a field that could be planted. What is he saying when he says, my yoke is easy? If you want rest, you need to come to me. I'm gonna give you a yoke. You're like, what? What he's saying is that if you are not going where he's going or plowing where he's plowing, of course you'll be tired because you're gonna be doing things for the wrong reasons. You will have taken it upon yourself to bring about meaning and purpose when you were designed to find it all in relationship with him. Only go where he goes. You're linked to him. (laughs) You're the other animal, linked, trapped (laughs) to him. And when you do that, when you go where he goes, when you do what he does, when you say what he's saying, you will probably need a nap. You should take a nap. You should eat, you should sleep, you should drink water. From time to time, but that internal murmur of self-reproach, that working man inside will slow down and come to rest. That is the message of this passage. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. You want rest? Come to him. Find out who you are. So, for those of us in this room who don't Sabbath, we don't have a Sabbath, we don't have a day that we, we specifically take off to enjoy the company of the people around us, to pray, to eat together, to, to worship, we should have a Sabbath, I think. Um, we should have a time where we learn the internal culture of the kingdom through physical rest. It's important that we do that. And for those who love the Sabbath, Uh, and and you have a Sabbath, and, and this is part of your family's rhythm, make sure that you also know that every day is Sabbath with Jesus, that you can have his rest at any point, and if at any point you find yourself doing things for the wrong reasons, ask yourself why, and ask yourself if your view of God is really correct. Let's stand, I wanna pray for you. Thanks for listening. If we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website.